talk for a little bit here today, not real long, and then I'm going to minister to some people. And I want to say this to you, you don't want to miss coming up, because next week, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to teach you, just show up. No, I've taught you about faith and hope and, you know, the things that I've been talking about recently. I don't know how long, but a lot of lessons. And I taught about words last week. I'm going to talk about it again today because it's so critical. If you don't ever learn to talk right, you're not ever going to have anything. And I don't mean just talk when you're talking to me or somebody that you feel is important to you. I don't know if I'm important to you or not, but you know what I mean, where you want to you want to curtail what you'd normally say if you were with your buddies. That's really what you get, what you talk like around your buddies or your wife or your husband or to your kids. I hope there's no screaming and sign language at home going on, no cussing and stuff, and watching inappropriate TV and just talking to you here. So I don't have forever to stay on this. I could stay on it forever, but I've taught a lot about it. So just show up. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I may talk about revival. I may talk about the gifts. I may talk about angels. And if God tells me, I'll come back and teach faith to you again. But it's his deal, not mine. I just work for him. But I want to talk to you about speaking and being refreshed. Speaking and being refreshed. Speaking and being healed. So we're looking here at Mark 11. Now the, com- the con- comment, we're going to pick it up in verse 20, was Jesus went by a fig tree earlier in the chapter. I don't want to take the time and read it. And he cursed it. He didn't cuss it out. He cursed it. He said, no man eat fruit of you forever. And something happened to the tree. Now it wasn't evident initially because nobody said a thing. His disciples, of course, they're learning. They're being mentored by the master. You need a mentor. He don't have to be your master, but he needs to mentor you. All of you. All right. Praise God. So, but he's teaching them something, and they come back by the next day, and Peter, normally opening his mouth first, which is his way he was. And in the morning, verse 20, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter calling to remembrance. Now, listen, it dried up from the roots. The trees dry up from the root? Not normally. If they dry, the leaves all wither, and the, the bark becomes just bark, and there's no greenery on it, and you know something's drastically wrong. But this tree died from the roots. I'm going to point something out. When he spoke, he spoke to the life blood or the life source of that tree, which was under the ground. And a lot of times when you start talking to stuff that you don't want or things you do want, it's not evident to you above the ground where you can see it always. You have to speak by faith and trust that your words are doing something. Yeah, but it was the next day before they noticed anything had occurred. So don't get impatient. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I tried that tithing stuff for two months and I went and it just tore me up. Well, you you didn't do the word. You just tried it. And the devil made sure that you realized it's going to be a battle. And when you threw in the towel, then he just put it on you. Or any other thing you want to, you know, you could think, well, I've just talked any way I want all my life. Well, why do you have to talk that way the rest of your life? If what you're saying is not what you want. (laughs) I told the story. I don't want to have to tell it again, but I didn't know what to say after I got a revelation of this for two months. I couldn't hardly talk. Now, you could say, well, that's bondage. No, that's intelligence. I have what I have today because I learned that 
back when I was talking silliness and foolishness and just anything came into my mind, I could let you know about it. Or if you asked me, I had an opinion about everything. Now, I do have opinions today, but I don't release them all. Okay. I don't want to get in trouble. Even though I'm right about some things. The Lord told me, sometimes you're right, but if you say that, it'll be the end of that relationship. So, you know, some things are worth holding, up, holding in, biting your lip. Peter, calling to remember, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Jesus answering said unto him, have faith in God. Or we would say it this way, and even in the Greek it's kind of worded this way, have the God kind of faith. Or have the kind of faith God has. Hey, you know what? There's no other faith that you could have. There's faith in unbelief, which is the devil's system. There's faith in fear, which is the way most people live. There's faith in lack. That's the way most people think. There's fear in sickness, faith in sickness. But this, he said, have the faith of God. That's the only kind of faith you can have that's biblical, the faith of God. He doesn't have a secondary faith. He gives Diana and the third one he gives Anthony on around. That's not, it's the same kind of, you may not develop like him where you can say to a tree and the next day you show up and it's dead. It's dying. Okay. But, but you do have to develop your faith. Now, we don't have time today, but I'll just tell you, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul writing to the people of Thessalonica said, your faith is spread around so much, I don't even have to bring it up. Everybody knows the Thessalonican church is a faith church. <laughs> and then he wrote them a year later, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, and he said, your faith groweth exceedingly. I read that one time, checked out my historical facts as far as I understood it. In one year's time, their faith was already strong. That didn't mean every single individual in that church was a big believer, but they had an overall faith mentality. And by the next year, he brought them back and he said, your faith grows exceedingly. And the love for each of your brothers and sisters abound us too. So their love kept pace with their faith, which is important. But what I'm saying in one year's time, think you went from already having some faith to your faith was growing exceedingly. Remember I said it doesn't happen overnight. I've been doing some of these things for almost 40 years. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it when I started, but when I found out, I repented and said, Father, help me control my vocabulary and help me to understand your word. And still, there's things that maybe I don't understand as well as I do other things. But I'm still learning. Have the God kind of faith. You mean I can have the God kind of faith? If you can't, you're going to hell. <laughs> because that's the only way you can get to heaven is having faith in God. You don't have to believe everything I teach. I teach way beyond that, heaven or hell. But you could go to heaven just believing Jesus died on the tree and not know anything else. But there's some severe judgment for people that don't learn. You know, when you get there, your fruit's all gone. You don't have any fruit to give him. Like Dad used to say, Dr. Frank, you're going to go, hey, great, we're glad to have you. Thanks for all the fruit you brought, Michael. Or does he go... What's up with you? <laughs> Served me for 50 years and 60 or 70 years. All right, so he's going to tell us now, he's going to give us in one verse of Scripture the ultra combination to having faith and how to release our faith, how to use our faith. So he says here, have the God kind of faith, verse 23, for verily I say, Jesus said unto them, unto you and unto me and you today, that whosoever shall say, 
Whoever will say it, whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So in this one verse, he says, believing is used one time and saying is taught three times. Brother Hagin brought this out. I'll give him credit, maybe. He said, God said to him, you're going to have to teach it three times as much the saying part of it as the believing. Here's something else Brother Hagin said. You can't get anything just by believing for it. I know that threw you for a loop. I believe that too. You have to believe and say. You can't even get saved just believing. You have to believe and say with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord, or come into my heart, or however you said it, worded it, maybe a little, but that's what you meant. How many are listening to me? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me read it again. For I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, and the mountain is just used as an obstacle here. The obstacles in your life, you have to say, be removed and be cast into sea, be removed from me, and shall not doubt in his heart. And you know, the first time you say something, you may have some doubts. <laughs> you could. I mean, I have for some things. I get into different realms. You get into a certain level, and then you go to the next level. You know, the Bible teaches from one level of faith to the next. And not everybody's on the same level. It's the same kind of faith, but it's at different levels. Dr. Devrane went to preach for a guy one time. He had 50 people. Nothing to, nothing to rebuke the guy over that. But he said, Doctor, I just want you to know I'm believing for a 7, 737. And the doctor said on the tape, he couldn't even believe for a tire on a 737. First thing he needs to do is believe to grow his church with 50 people. And why does he need a 737 if he's a pastor? I need an airplane because that's what I do, but... Pastors need buildings, air conditioning, and seats, and PowerPoints, and all the stuff that go with it. See? But see, he said, I didn't want to dampen his face, so I didn't say anything to him. See, you can just shoot your mouth off like stuff like that, and it'll hurt your faith after a period of time because you really aren't believing. You just think you're believing for that, or because somebody drove up in an airplane, you think you could have one. Well, it is if God told you to believe for one. But you got to be careful not shooting your mouth off saying things you really don't believe because it'll cause doubt in your heart. I can believe for things out of here that I can't believe out of here. Brother Hagin taught me that too. You can have doubt in your head and faith in your heart and you can get it, but you can't have doubt in your heart and faith in your head and get anything. You can't do that. You can't have doubt in your heart, faith in your head, and get anything. People think because they've been taught well, in a church like this, where I've taught you and Jordan's taught you and we've had other guests teach you, that you know what we know. Well, you might if you've, if you've done it. But you might just be a recording. You might just be like a parrot. You know, you're talking in a room, the parrot says, get that trash and take that out, Michael. That's supposed to be Diane. It's a little joke there because you look like you need a little humor. <laughs> No, you won't get it just because you fill out notebooks. I buried people like that. you got to get it because, you, like I said last week, I'm going to repeat something. You have to be around somebody that knows how to believe God and catch the spirit of faith. When I first caught the spirit of faith, I got it from Brother Copeland, who got it from Brother Hagen. But anyway, I got it from Brother Copeland. He said he got it from Brother Hagen. I don't think he lied about it. 
Brother Hagin was older and more established. And, but Brother, Hagen, Brother Copeland was the one I listened to initially because the person who gave me the tapes, they had Kenneth Copeland tapes. They didn't have Brother Hagin tapes. And I couldn't afford to buy tapes back then, even cassette tapes, as cheap as they were. All right. So this is the key, verse 23 here. Brother Hagin says this got him off his bed. He was dying and all kinds of stuff. He went to hell once and came back. God rescued him. He went to heaven and came back. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. But this is the verse that got him off the bed of sickness and disease. Yeah, he just, he just made an effort to move in what he was believing. He said, I'd lay in bed and I'd say that sometimes thousands of times a night. This shows you why people don't get healed a lot of times. They're not willing. They're not even willing to say something 20 times or 50 times or 100 times or an hour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brother, Brother Norville, he told about this lady's husband. I don't know. He had some kind of big trauma in his brain. He's laying there. He's unconscious. He's in ICU or whatever, emergency setting. <laughs> they don't give him two weeks to live. And Norville came to the hospital and told the wife, if you just sit there, and read this scripture to him and confess this scripture over him every day, all day long. Go get a drink of water, go to the restroom, go get some lunch. But other than that, sit there. And she did that for 10 days and her husband was made normal. Yeah. Are you listening? See, faith will do a lot of things, but you've got to have faith to believe for that. Dr. Cobble, he's in heaven now. I had him come share one time here. I don't know if it's in this sanctuary or the old one. Yeah, Wallace Cobble, he was, well, Dale's not here, but Dale was with me. I went to Evangel Tabernacle after I graduated from Southern Seminary. They had Bible school at night. Evangel did at the time. I don't know if they still do. But the, and Wallace Cobble was one of their professors. He was 85 then. And, he, and the class I took was divine healing because I couldn't get it at the seminary. So I went over to where I knew they taught it. And uh, Wayman Rogers was the pastor then, not Bob, his son. But anyway, Wallace Cobble was the teacher, and he, he was just such a trip. And he said, I was dying, laying over in University Hospital, the old University Hospital. I went in there when the, the new hospital wasn't there, and it was just old <laughs> and rough. Anyway, I won't tell about my experiences here. I'm back on Wallace, Dr. Cobble. He said, I had all this stuff coming out of me, my nose and my body, dying. dying. And he said... William Branham came in to see me. He knew me personally. He jerked every tube out of my body. He said, get up and go home. Get your clothes on. He said, and I got up and put my clothes on and walked out. Yeah. Now, you've got to have faith in that or you'll get a lawsuit. <laughs> see, there's a lot of things your faith could do if you'd even imagine that God could do something like that through you. Let's just start with witnessing to the person you work with. And don't do all the witnessing. Let them talk a little. Ask them, be interested in their life a little bit to let them share, and you'll find out where they're at. If you're smart, you listen to their words, you can tell where they're at. Most people are in fear, doubt, and unbelief. And you'll have to ease your way into that. I'm not being mean. I just know humanity. I'm not I'm stupid. I've been doing this for almost 50 years now I've been saved. Just a few more years be 50. I paid attention to my teachers. Hallelujah. Just talking to you here. You listening to me? Okay. So we see here in Mark eleven twenty three how significant this is. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Now, that means you can't say 
when somebody comes into your house with a chihuahua, isn't that a big dog? <laughs> Are you going to the big meeting next week? I'm just dying to go. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm going to die if I don't. So you've got to watch things. like You've got to train your children not to talk wrong too. I could just kill you. You better stop that. You better stop that speaking like that. The devil, ta- he, don't ta- he don't play with words. He's afraid of people like me that speak his word, God's word. But he don't play with your words. He'll put them into action. Demons will operate in things like that and get you until you're just in a fervent pitch. You're, you're crazy mad. Yeah, rage. A lot of people in prison today that and maybe they were drinking, maybe they didn't. They weren't even drinking, but they're just full of rage. So anyway, we're just talking. Got to watch your words. See, every word you say, he says, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And some things are harder to believe for, not harder, but more, how do I say, a little deeper level of faith maybe to get to that level of certain things. But you have to stay with it. (laughs) I was talking to myself today about that. Stay with it. You talk to yourself? Absolutely, I talk to myself. You should too if you're smart. Let me, let me go back here to Job 32, one of my favorite scriptures. You probably know it by heart now. Job, Job 32, 20. Can anything good come out of Job? Job came out of it. He lived 140 more years after his nine-month trauma, and God didn't even do that. It was the devil doing that to him, and he didn't know any better, and he was in fear. You could read that in the first chapter because he kept giving offerings for his children. So you parents need to learn something. What I'm telling you here, don't be afraid your children are going to die. Just believe for them to live. I speak that way over my children constantly. Now, they're adults, so, you know, I can't control everything everybody does anymore. I can't even control any of you. You're adults. You make your own decisions. You talk your own whatevers. Believe your own way. But if I could help you, I will. But sometimes there are certain circumstances that get involved that I'm not allowed. I try to help people, but sometimes it doesn't work perhaps because of them, maybe even perhaps because of me. I don't know. I've evaluated myself a few times on that area. He says, I will speak, verse 20, I will speak that I may be refreshed. (laughs) And right here in the book of Job, I will speak, now notice that, I will speak that I may be refreshed. Now, you could get a little inkling of refreshing if, I'm, if you're listening to me because I'm teaching you how to live by faith and how to talk right. And I'm not, I'm not critiquing everybody. I'm not examining everything you say, but everything you say around me, I'm listening. Yes. <laughs> and if I was around you enough and you were unguarded, I could tell where you were at. But he says, I will speak. Make a personal commitment. You're going to do some speaking. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I will speak that I may be refreshed. <laughs> this word refreshed, this is a, it's a couple different definitions. One means to receive, to be restored in strength, to replenish, to lay in fresh provisions. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be going through a trial every day of your life, but if you are and you don't do something about it, it'll just multiply on you. But when you're going along and it's kind of you're paying your bills and your body's pretty healthy, that's when you need to study prosperity and health. It's a lot easier to believe when you don't feel bad. 
You don't have anything else to contend with, you know. Hallelujah. And, he, and let me find, okay, there's one. Then this other here, this, this word refreshed, another Hebrew word says, it means, I, let me read it in the Hebrew, I will speak that I may be enlarged. I will, in other words, take up more space. My influence will extend. My land mass will expand. I'm just talking in terms that you could understand, you know, or my bank account will increase. My health will get better. Let me see this here, what I was saying here. It says, the word refreshed is used in the Amplified Bible, but it says, have ample room or to enlarge yourself, to be spacious, to be refreshed, to be extended, to be more. You mean you can be more than you can be? Yeah, you can. I know the army says be all you can be, but you could be more than you could be if you'd listen to me today. Because you've got divine supply of the divine word of God coming into you, and it begins to put you out there in a different dimension. Now, it doesn't mean everybody likes it, but you could have it. Don't worry about people that don't like it. That's the silliest thing you ever did. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. You ought to now... Analyze yourself occasionally. You know, when depression tries to come on you, you could think, you know, I haven't been saying much to God about refreshing. Duh. I'm just sick all the time. I'm just discouraged all the time. Well, what have you done since I saw you last Sunday? Anybody read their Bible? Anybody speak? Speak. Now, if you've got a one believing family, you may have to get away from them to talk like this. But get away from them and talk like you need to talk. My God, don't let your family hem you in. People that love you will kill you. Gosh, I know you think I'm extreme. You don't know anything about what I'm talking about. Your family will kill you and put you under the ground if you let them. The people you love the most will control you the most, and some of that control is negative and demonic. Oh, my God. I've seen all kinds of stuff in 50 years. 43 years of full-time ministry. I've seen people do every jack thing you could think of. To their friends, to their family, to their mates, to their children. I'm just talking. You've got to speak if you're going to be refreshed. You could just say, Father, I thank you. I'm refreshed today. I'm refreshed. I'm redeemed. And I'm in revival. I heard a little murmur. I'm refreshed. I'm redeemed. I'm in revival. Why can't you say that? Well, don't you know? Yeah, I know all that and a lot you don't know. But I just stay refreshed, redeemed, and in revival because I say so. Do you have regular feelings like all of us? Absolutely, and probably even more intense than many of you. I used to live by my emotions. I know what I'm talking about. And it almost killed me. That's why I became a drug addict, to get away from all the feelings. And it just made me more depressed, more discouraged. It almost killed me. In fact, I left my body one time. Yeah, I came out of my body and went out to the ceiling. Then the Lord put my spirit back in my body. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I don't know how far I'm getting today on this. Got to find scriptures. This one right here would help. How about the new covenant? How about, I'm just throwing this out. I don't have it in my notes. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says the outward man is perishing day by day, but the inward man is renewed. Hang on, I put a sticky tab in the back of my Bible. 
this orange one right here, 2 Corinthians 4.16, the Knox translation. Our inner life is refreshed from day to day. My inward life is refreshed from day to day. My inward life is refreshed from day to day. Say that. My inward life is refreshed from day to day. You ever get tired? Sure. And sometimes I make bad decisions and push myself and push myself too far, too long. And then my body started to break down on me. I started having symptoms. So I've had, here's another little side thought. You're not immortal. <laughs> You're just spiritual. But you're still in a physical body, which can only endure so much. So if you push yourself, it's going to break down on you. I don't care what you're doing. You know, if you're doing, I've told, I mean, I remember some pastor, I said to him, you're just adding stuff on your table every time I talk to you. <laughs> and a lot, some of them will tell me, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do I said, did the Lord tell you to do all that? Well, I said, well, you better figure that out, friend, for I have to be your minister at your funeral. If he told you to do it, have at it. If you got faith for it, have at it. But by God, if you don't, you better wait a minute. Hot rod. You know, some people think they can do anything they want, get away with anything they want, talk any way they want, do anything they like, and still be blessed. That ain't going to work. Now, I've got off there on something about resting. You need to rest your body. I know we got holidays that fall on Sunday and you got to go to mama's and daddy's and grandpa's day and everything else, you know, but that's okay. We're not down on that. But, you know, Sundays were made initially by God to rest. And if you don't rest Sunday, I almost guarantee you're not resting Monday through Saturday. <laughs> run, run, run. Run, run, run. Busy, busy, busy. Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't like it either. That's why I quit running, running, running. Yeah. Every day, the Phillips translation, every day, I'm reading 2 Corinthians 4.16. I'm not even in my Bible. I'm in the, the sticky tab. Every day, every day, the inward man receives fresh strength. That's the Phillips translation. Every day, the inward man receives fresh That is, if you spend time with him. You're not going to get that on Good Morning America. You're not going to get that on whatever show you try to watch or something, you know. I mean, there might be some Christian shows that defy that. Occasionally, there's a good show on. I might watch something occasionally. But even the Christian networks. Most of the time, I'm hunting for somebody who's going to talk faith to me. And most of the time, i got to keep going or turn it off. I'll go put on Dr. Dufresne or Brother Hagen or anyway. I'm just talking. I'm not mad at anybody, but you got to use your time wisely, grasshoppers. you got to use your time wisely. He says, I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. Here's another thing. You have to answer things. When things come into your life that are supposed to come, that you believe in to come, receive it, welcome it. Be excited about it. <laughs> are you listening? But when things try to come into my life that are not appropriate, then I rebuke that. I answer it with my faith. I said, you're not going to do that. You got to answer stuff. You got to answer it. Yeah, I'm telling you. Listen, you have to answer depression. There's a major, major thing on in the world right now to commit suicide. I can guarantee it. I don't have to even watch TV to know that. I just know by the spirit. Or to be depressed. Or to be discouraged. Or to be forlorn. 
Listen, nobody has to do anything for you. God's done everything for you. That's where you get discouraged because your, your person doesn't treat you right, doesn't do right, or somebody you think should have done. Get over all that. You just need to stay up with God and get refreshed every day in his word. If you don't get in the word and you don't pray in tongues every day, I don't know that there's any hope for you to get over in faith land. Faith is the victory. Faith is not a failure. People say, I'm too hard. You don't even know what hard is. I am such a sweet person, and I'm doing my best to live this all my life, day by day. All right, let's go, let's go, over, let's go, to, let's go to Psalms 39. Psalm 39. Do a little teaching here, a little bit, because that just helps us to have some scriptures under our belt, so to speak. So we've studied this for many years. We have a lot of teaching, but we're going to try to condense it a little bit today. Psalm 39. And verse 1 and 2. Are you putting anything up for me today? Okay, I didn't, I didn't even look that way yet. While I'm preaching, I've been up there. Psalm 39, 1 and 2. I, from the King Jimmy. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. See, sometimes it's, you get in a position and the pressures mount up. <laughs> Man, pressures mount up. I said to somebody at lunch the other day, I think it was my wife, said sometimes your head feels like it's where your feet was and your feet's where your head was just in several seconds. What are you going to do then, big boy? Well, I'm going to believe God. I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to get myself and get right back in this Bible, and I'm not going to sin with my tongue, and I'm not going to ask God why. That's the dumbest thing you ever did. If you know God well enough, he will tell you what you need to know. But if he doesn't speak to you about it, it's none of your business. None of your business. You hear me? None of your business. I'm not up in your business. I'm, you may feel like I am when I'm preaching to you, but I don't call you every day and ask how your family is and what grandma said and what your uncle did at Thanksgiving, throwing potatoes at you. That's all your deal. I, I could care less, really. But the point I'm making is when we're talking about this, we got to stay focused and not sin with our tongue. I've never said, what good has it been that I've tithed all these years? I've, I never said, what good was it that I gave away a car and helped preachers get cars all over the planet? I've never talked like that because I did that out of my love for them. And I didn't do it just to get me a new car. But when I wanted a nice car, the Lord said, if you want it, you get it. I'll help you pay for it. I said, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you just got to know God. And one time God, guy drove up, gave me a brand new $30,000 car. And I went in my bathroom in there when my, my office was up in the other part of the building here and started crying and said, Father, I'll sell it tomorrow and give the money to missionaries. And God said, stop that crying. What's the matter with you? He was just, he was really upset with me. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I gave you the car because I love you and Diana. Drive it. Hey, what a great idea. And I drove it. We drove it. It was more her car, but we drove it for a couple years. And God spoke to us to give it away to somebody in this church at the time who had several children and no husband. Anyway, I'm just talking to you here. I will sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. You've got to be careful to guard your speech sometimes. 
But here's what I wonder once you see verse 2. I was dumb with silence, and I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. See, this you can know the right thing to say. Listen carefully, but you never say it. <laughs> you never say the right thing. You know, well, I should have done that. This, this is, I don't teach you just to think like that. I teach you to, to do it, to be a doer of this. And you could, you could know the right answer and then keep your mouth shut. And the devil just run over you. He'll, just over, he'll come with a bulldozer if you let him. He'll flatten you out. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace so he could have released it, but he didn't, even from good. When I say by his stripes I'm healed, I'm saying that because the Bible says by his stripes I'm healed. Not because I'm trying to be a big shot. I'm not walking in the mall saying by his stripes I'm healed. I'm not trying to convince all the people around me. In my own home I may talk that way because she believes but what I'm saying is, if you hold your peace from even speaking the right thing, your sorrow will continue to be compounded, stirred up. Oh, my goodness. I'm preaching pretty good right now. Let's go to Ephesians 5 a minute. At least you think that, you know, maybe I'm kind of preaching mode today. I don't know what's happening yet. I'm just excited about it. Ephesians 5. And let me find my verse here, 16 uh, through 19. Uh, Ephesians 5, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He didn't even say tomorrow's going to, he said the days, plural. In other words, Jesus said another place, in every day there's enough evil in it to put you old, put you down. So I'm not concentrating on the evil, but I'm concentrating on something to show you all days are evil if you don't do the right thing, if you don't say the right thing. Redeem the time. What would that mean to me as a believer? Well, I ought to have enough time to read my Bible every day. Or to quote Pastor Diane, if you're too busy for God, brother and sister, you're too busy. You're too busy. Well, no, I got... I got no, you're too busy. You'd be better to downsize your house and get a smaller house payment, downsize your car and drive a little car and be able to pay it and spend more time with God. You'll end up at the top, hot heap of the top of the heap when it's all said and done. And all the other people trying to do stuff that they weren't doing when under God's will are, are swimming and drowning in debt, trying to impress somebody. Preaching real good. Just that, that's not even the verse I wanted to talk about. But you have to redeem your time. I got demands on my time constantly. I don't know about you, I do. You know what I mean? And, and it's just when I was pastor, just the demand of people constant. There's always somebody needs help. Part of the reason I got in the ministry because I wanted to be a help to them. But you know, you have a family. When you have yards, you have all kinds of stuff, but you need to redeem your time. That's what I'm trying to get over to you. Redeem your time. Redeem your time. I make a purpose on leaving my phone in my car sometimes. It, it, it kind of bugs Diana a little bit because she wanted to see what somebody sent me by an email or a whatever you call it, text. I say, well, it's in the car. You left it in the car again? Yeah. Because I came to eat. I didn't came to look at my phone. 
going to start putting that in my purse. Yep. Even it's there. <laughs> You're the one who loses your phone all the time. Come think of it. And I got to call you. Call me. And we're listening through the house to hear her phone ring. It's out in the car. <laughs> fell under the couch. You have to learn to redeem your time. Everybody has the same amount of time a day. Per day, 24 hours. But let's go on. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So I ought to be getting so high in God that I'm kind of a little tipsy with Him. I'm able to drive a vehicle, but I'm, you know, kind of over there in the Spirit. Now, this verse 19 is what I'm getting to. Speak to yourselves. Speak to yourselves. It says in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, occasionally, when I'm praying, I'll get a spiritual song, and I'll just sing it out. I don't I just make up the melody as I go. Or occasionally, I might get something that comes out of me, and I'll just sing in tongues for a little bit till I hit a note of victory or something. But really, speaking to myself is important. Speaking to yourselves is important. I'm going to go back to the airline people. You know, every time I get on an airplane, if it's commercial, the stewardess comes out. You know, she's got her little flyby thing. Now, open this page three if you want to follow along with me. And if they have a thing in oxygen mask fall out, if you're traveling with an infant or a child, put, to her, put your mask on first so you don't pass out, then put it on your child. Simple procedure. You know, sometimes I get tired of hearing that. But I appreciate their safety thinking. You put your mask on first, then put your child's mask in other words, what I'm saying to you, speak to yourself first. It's not about what you just say to everybody else, but speak to yourself the Word of God and then speak it to other people as you have permission to. And, and you know, you have relative different people or different levels. So you need to speak to yourself more. And I told you this already. It's in Psalm 45. I'm not turning over there. It says, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I told about Jessica and Jacob with me in California, and there was a lady doing the, with an easel down at the San Francisco Bay Area. All the different trinkets and all kinds. I don't know what you call that today. There's another word for it, but she's doing caricatures of people. And my daughter and son-in-law sat down, and she started with one little line for their head, and then when she got done, it looked just like them. They were sitting there, and I looked at, and the Lord spoke to me, Psalm 45, 1, my tongue is the pen I'm not going to dip my tongue in ink and try to write, but my tongue, my words, are the pen of a ready writer. And your spirit or your heart is the canvas that you're writing on and other people's canvases. Like today, I'm preaching to you. I'm writing something on your heart. If you're listening to the importance of speaking to yourself. It's not an arrogant thing. It's not a prideful thing. It's a biblical thing. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Right? Speak to yourself, and you'll start coming up higher and higher. Hallelujah. We read this last week. I'm just reminding you, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it here. Man became a speaking spirit in Genesis 2-7. Last week we said, it said in the King Jimmy, God breathed into man the breath of life. Man became a living soul. The Hebrew says man became a speaking spirit. Remember, that's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. So that's the way God created us to be our whole entire life. What? A speaking spirit. Not a speaking man, but a speaking spirit that speaks through that man or woman. 
So speaking then would be critical. You know how many people have lost everything because they talked wrong? They talked wrong. They, they were mad at somebody and they didn't forgive. They were frustrated with life and they didn't forgive. They didn't get to the Bible and be refreshed every day. Maybe they went on years and years and the devil just covered them up. And they just talk nonsense all the time now if you're around them. Don't ever say anything meaningful. I'm just talking to you here. Speak to yourself. And so we're talking about being a speaking spirit here. Excuse me. It says this indicates man's dominion authority and his ability to control his world would come through his words. <laughs> I hope you're listening to me because I want to say something. Go to Revelation with me, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. He puts a couple of scriptures together, together to show you something here. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, this is Jesus, unto him that loved us, that's Jesus, and washed us, that's Jesus, from our sins, that's us, in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion, there's that dominion again, forever and ever. So he said he has through the blood of Jesus cleansed us, not just cleansed us from sin. He did that, of course, but he cleansed us and made us kings and priests. <laughs> Your priesthood is to pray for other people. I'm just generically breaking this down. I'm not going to get real elaborate on you like some people and take you through 17 scriptures in the Old Testament. But he made you a king. You know what kings do? They operate in dominion. Back in that day, whatever the king said goes. I mean, if you didn't like it, they'd just kill you too. I, I know some people personally who were in a coup in Guatemala years and years ago, and they just, they just lined all the officials up and shot them in the head, took over the country, <laughs> took it over. You oppose it, bam. You oppose it, bam. And some of them didn't even wait to ask. They just killed all the leadership and then took over. But we're not like that, but we are a king in the sense of being in dominion. Yeah. Now, I want you to catch hold of that. And how is this accomplished? Because you're so smart? Because you're well-educated? Because you live in a certain social strata? Because you drive a certain car and work and make so much money? We no, it's because of the blood of Jesus. Yeah. It's just because of the blood. The blood did that for us. Made us kings and priests unto his father and our father because we're a joint heir with Jesus. Now let's go back to Ecclesiastes. Can anything good come out of Ecclesiastes? Yeah, I'm going to show you something really exciting here. Ecclesiastes, some of my sons, they tease me. They say, where did you find that? I said, in the Bible. Silly. What do you mean, where did I find it? In the Bible. Okay. Uh, chapter 8 of Ecclesiastes, verse 4. I'm going to let you find that, and I'm going to read it to you. Now, what did God make us through his blood? A king and a priest. I should not relegate one for the other. I need to be a priest in offering prayers that help other people come into Christ, help other people come into the fullness of what they had. And thank you for those books, Brother Ronnie. <laughs> he bought me some good books lately. 
Hallelujah. Not many people could do that. <laughs> Don't buy me a book. It might go in my shredder. <laughs> Maybe ask Ronnie about it if you're going to buy me a book. Okay. Ecclesiastes 8 and 4. You're going to shoot that up? Where the word of a king is currently, not where it was, not where it's going to be, where the word of a king is. Now, who's the king? How many are kings here besides me? Okay, I just want to make sure. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what do you think you're doing? Actually, the word says, let me, let me look at this. That's what I thought. With the word of a king, it says, uh, let me find my verse here. Where there is authority. A better word for that right there in the Hebrew. It, it, the king's word carries authority with it. So where the word of a king is, there is authority. Yes. <laughs> given to us by God through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Isn't that a lot bless, more blessed than just the blood cleanses us of our sin? And I'm not making fun of that. But if that's all you know, then you won't operate in this. Or if you let your parents determine what kind of person you are because they said negative things about you and you never let God cleanse you, let the washing of the water of the word cleanse all that garbage out of you, you'll never amount to nothing. You're stupid, you're fat, you're this, you're that. Whatever they said to you that was not scriptural, let, let the word cleanse all that out of you and step over in your authority as a king and let your word is where your word is put, there is authority there. Hallelujah. Anybody listening to me? <laughs> I'm getting excited about my own preaching. Hallelujah. Yeah, I sure am. All right. Let's let's go let's go back here to Psalms 17 a minute. Praise the Lord. I just get excited. You can't blame me for being excited. I think it'd be a bad thing coming. Well, turn in your Bibles <laughs> to uh, Deuteronomy 1, chapter 6, 7. Eight. No, Psalm 17. This has been Psalm 17, verse 3 and five, 4, please. Psalm 17, verse 3. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. Why? I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. What does that mean, trans that you will speak contrary to the Bible? You know, I did that one time with the father. He, I'm ashamed to tell you this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it so you could identify with me and not feel like I put you down all day or it's something I haven't tried to. I, believe me, I love you. I wouldn't be talking to you so straight. But God told me to write a book back in the 80s and I, on angels, and I didn't do it. I didn't do it for 20 years. Then Dr. Dufresne got in my life, and we were just having a nice conversation at a restaurant one day, and he said, you know anything about angels? I said, yeah, I know some. What do you know? And I started talking. He said, you got any notes on that? And I said, I got a big pile of notes. What? He said, I said, why? He said, I want you to send me your notes. I sent him my, all my notes on angels. He said, my God, Michael, you need to write a book on this. This needs to get out to the body of Christ. Okay, I'll do that. A year went by, and he said, did you ever do anything about that book? Nope. Another year went by, two years now. That's 22 years, if I'm counting right. Then the third year came. He said, you ever do anything about that book? I said, no, sir. He never asked me again. 
Then I drug my foot for another few years. I know none of you would ever do that. You just get right on it immediately before you leave church practically, right? So I'm just trying to tell you how I, I'm trying to help you. I mean, how embarrassing is this for me to tell you all this? And I drug my feet three more years, two or three more years. Dad Dufresne never brought up angels to me ever again. Never even asked me about anything. <laughs> he, was a mo- he was a help to me. I'll tell you another story in a minute. But anyway, we're talking about angels. And so, you know, the Lord starts dealing with me again after 23 years. He starts convicted me. I said, okay, I'm sorry. And then I said, but you know what? I don't know how to write a book. I said that, and after 23 years, you know what he said? One word, learn, like that, with a learn, with some emphasis. And that's the end of our conversation. He didn't say, you sweetie pie, I'm going to give you. He said, learn. So I hired Sean. (laughs) Something like that, kind of. Hallelujah. No, I hired some other people and had to fire them about my manuscript. But anyway, they didn't do what I asked them to do. I had to fire them. I learned. I learned fine. 23 years. But see, put that back up. 17.3. Yeah, thank you. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Just remember, the more words you speak and the more stuff you talk to people about, there's a stricter judgment for all that kind of silliness. Unless you're speaking the word to somebody or loving somebody. You know what I mean, loving them as a brother and sister in the Lord and sharing the word with them out of concern. But when you get into just rambling on about things that are irrelevant, they should be for you. In some cases, you know, you have to, remember, you got to prioritize. you got to redeem the time. So I told the Lord later, <laughs> I'm going to purpose when I found this verse later after I'd said, I don't know how to do that. That sounds like a legitimate excuse for a guy who don't want to do it. I know none of you would ever say, I don't know how to do that. And then my wife's always saying, get the instructions, Michael. Look at the instructions. We got a little thing yesterday we were putting together on the kitchen table. Look at the instructions. Oh, yeah, wow. What a revelation. What a revelation. <laughs> get the instructions. Manual. Tells you how to do everything, right or wrong. Even the people that messed up in here are in here recorded. Mm. That's not my main verse, but I wanted to say you have to purpose that your mouth is not going to talk against the Bible. There's nothing really you can't do with God in you because there's only two beings in the Bible I found that it says nothing's impossible to God and the believer. So with his help and maybe a period of time, I'm not saying, you know, I need to lose some weight. I'm probably not going to be 140 tomorrow at 240 today. Okay, but I might be 180 in six months from now or 10 months from now if I work on it. So I don't say I can't lose the weight. I don't talk like that anymore. Okay, and I might get some help if I need some help medically. I mean, But anyway, the purpose that my mouth shall not transgress. Put up verse 4 for me. This is the one. Concerning the works of men, by the words, by the word of your lips, David speaking to God, by the word of God's lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Who's that? The devil. So David is saying, I took your word that came out of your lips and I put it in my lips 
And those same words that are recorded in here kept me from the paths of the destroyer. You have anything in the New Testament like that? Sure do. First, First John 5. I think it's verse 18. You can test me. I don't, I'm just guessing. 1 John 5 and 18, when you get a moment, throw that up. In uh, King James, or we may go to some other translation. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. How is he keeping himself based on what I'm talking about? Through your words. If you talk wrong, you open doors. I don't know, I saw this in an old movie somewhere. It probably wasn't a great movie anyway. It was an old-time movie, but it had a center room, and it had about ten doors in it, in a circular thing. And it always goes back to me, if I get all those doors shut, I'm kept. I don't talk wrong. I don't live wrong. I don't do wrong. I'm not mean. I'm forgiving. You following me? Love my wife, raise my children. He that is begotten of God keeps himself and the wicked one touches him not. Man, you're like, you're like Dorothy with the ruby red slippers, baby. And the wicked witch is the devil. And she tried to touch him and went, ah! And sparks came off of him. Electricity came off of him. And then Dorothy didn't do enough. She threw the water on him, the water of the words. She went, ah, what a world! And they had a trap door and she disappeared. you remember that? You didn't think she really disappeared, did you? Okay. See, the word in your mouth will keep you from the paths of the destroyer. Hallelujah. Man, I, I hope you got something out of this today. Man, I, I'm just excited. Now, my brother back there in the teal shirt, the golf shirt, gray hair. Yes, sir, I don't remember your name. Huh? Chester, come on up, Chester. And anybody else that's got any bone problems, I'd like you to stand with me. And come on up here if you have any bone problems today. 